Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Spectacular catch! They're saying it's a catch! Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my god, that's incredible! Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? (laughs) And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the very best fantasy football rankers in the world. And joining us is another top fantasy football ranker, I'm talking about Jeff Radcliffe of Fade the Noise and the Sirius XM Fantasy Channel. Jeff, how's it going? Well, you broke out the Fade the Noise. A lot of people ask me, what does FTN mean? And that's actually what it comes from. Basically, do everything opposite of what Brad Evans does. Uh, we're fading the noise with all of that. But yeah, fantastic, man. Good to be here. I'm just crazy it's week 11 already. I don't know where the season went, but... That still means we're like only halfway there in terms of sports betting and DFS, even though season-long fantasy football is winding down. Where did the season go? But it feels like it's been a grind to this point and just, but so thrilled that we are yet to have any games actually canceled. Uh, And so hopefully we can finish the rest of the season strong uh, with a full slate of games. In this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our Week 11 rankings in the Fantasy Tool at the Action Network. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on uh, and looking at how they do in our Fantasy Labs models, and we are speculating on some player props. Uh, Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone about the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. It is a free tournament on Yahoo for our listeners. You can join by clicking the link in the show description. Each week, the top 10 finishers get over $1,000 in Action Network prizes and the top five advance to the wildcard weekend grand finale where the winner will get a grand prize Las Vegas trip for two valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. 
Jeff, let's talk about the quarterbacks at the top of our rankings. And uh, I should say, as we are recording this, we are uh, in the process, at least I believe Chris Raybon is in the process of finishing up his rankings. So there will definitely be changes when people go to the Action Network tool to look at the rankings. But right now, the guys that we have at the top of our rankings at the quarterback position, we have Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. You can maybe make a case for some other people to go in there, uh, but where are you on your top three right now? Keeping in mind, of course, that things can change as the week progresses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously when you have Kyler Murray facing Seattle, it's very appealing, especially after he has one of the best plays of, uh, that we're going to see for a long time uh, after last week. But we also have to remember, he, he really wasn't doing much through the air throughout the course of that game. It was really on the ground where he's been just absolutely phenomenal. So I think there's obviously a case for him, but I actually have Mahomes as my number one right now. I mean, it's really splitting hairs when you're at the top. I actually had somebody on Twitter ask me today. He said, who would you rather for the rest of the season, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson? And I go, um, both? I, I mean, what, what do we do here? You, I, you're in a good situation regardless of where you go. I do think that people may be a little discouraged because we have recency bias in season-long fantasy football with last week's performance from Russell Wilson. But all week I was pointing out it, it was a really interesting litmus test of that Rams defense, which has been phenomenal. Darius Williams, everybody needs to know this name. This kid is absolutely playing out of his mind. And, and you know, yet another, he could be in the Ravens secondary. He was buried in that Ravens secondary. Now here he is getting an opportunity with the Rams and shining. So, I mean, I have Russ as the bottom of that of those three, but I do like the matchup for him because, as we know, you can certainly throw on Arizona. All right, well, outside of the top three, is there a guy or two that you think you are going to be relatively high on this week in comparison to the consensus? I think that guy might end up being Ben Roethlisberger for me. Last week, we saw a very rare feat in, in a lot of scoring formats, you know, PPR scoring formats. We had three Steelers receivers with 20-plus PPR points. That's outrageous right there. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Ben's going to th- spread the ball around. You have, you know, when it's not Deontay Johnson, it's Chase Claypool. When it's not Chase Claypool, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. And even when it's not those guys, maybe it's Eric Ebron. So many weapons at his disposal. And, and I don't see that, that shifting, you know, especially with the play of James Conner, which I don't know what the heck's happening there. I, I, I've watched the last two games. He does not look like the same player. I've been telling people, you know, all day here on, on a Tuesday to, to pick up Benny Snell and just stash him just in case because we really don't know, you know, what's going to happen. And then on top of it, you face a Jacksonville secondary that is young and inexperienced. Sidney Jones is really the most experienced. Trey Herndon. I mean, these are, these are still inexperienced guys. Herndon gets beat deep basically every single week. C.J. Henderson's getting picked on. And what does a, a veteran quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger do? Pick on a rookie corner. So I think it's another big week for Ben. Yeah, I like that a lot. Raybon, I'm going to give you the first bite of the apple here. Uh, maybe you can snipe Sean and uh, highlight the guy he is high on. Who is a quarterback you are relatively high on this week? So I like a couple. Uh, Justin Herbert going against the New York Jets. You know, Herbert every week, week in, week out, he's shown that he has, you know, not only the throwing chops despite being a rookie, but um, you know, the rushing chops to kind of stick with these top quarterbacks. And you're going to need that, whether it's DFS season long every week, because you have these guys like Kyler and Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson running the football in addition to throwing it. Um, same goes for, for Cam Newton. He's not really throwing the football that uh, effectively because of the supporting cast. But 
I think in this matchup against Houston, uh, one of the worst defenses in the league, uh, he's, he can have a pretty good game on the ground. And it, it's one of the easier throwing matchups for him as well. And then going down on list, Joe Burrow uh, at 5.5K. Uh, this team has been extremely pass heavy. And they finally get a, a pretty decent matchup. You know, last week against Pittsburgh was tough. But uh, in this spot, I think Joe Burrow uh, can have a huge game and, and kind of put up numbers similar to guys that are, are at the top tier of pricing. Sean, who do you like here? Uh, so I'm pretty high on Jameis Winston this week. Uh, I, I think he's a GPP play. Uh, you can't trust him in cash because we're really we're not sure how much Taysom Hill is going to factor in. But certainly in season longs, he's worth a stash because it sounds like Drew Brees could be out for quite some time. You know, this offense is going to look a lot different with Jameis Winston slinging it around. So I'm excited to see how that pans out. Um, and the other guy is Deshaun Watson. He's a bit cheaper this week. He's 6,500. I think, you know, people might, you know, overweight last week's windy game. I think it's wise to just throw that out. But he was on fire the previous four games, uh, coincidentally, after Bill O'Brien got fired, where he was averaging 320 passing yards, three touchdowns, and 35 rushing yards. I think he'll bounce back to that level and be a top four QB this week. You know, the, the matchup against the Patriots isn't ideal, but again, I think people might be overlooking him this week after his poor performance in the win at Cleveland. Yeah, so Watson is standing out in some of our Fantasy Labs models, and he has the highest uh, projected plus minus uh, that we have on the slate this week. So certainly someone to keep in mind. And uh, Sean, you you got me. Winston was the guy that I was going to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, bullish on him this week uh, with the weapons he has and then that matchup he has going against the Atlanta Falcons who allow the most fantasy points in the league to opposing quarterbacks. Light my money on fire this week with, with Jameis Winston. This is, uh, this is the path that I'm going to go down. Jeff, who is someone you are relatively low on? I think we have to be careful with Jameis Winston for the season long crowd though. Um, Jameis does, you know, why even watching that game, it's like, dude, Alvin Kamara is right here, man. He's right to your right. Just look, you don't have to look downfield all day long, every day with Jameis Winston. That drives me nuts with him. And that's actually not good for Michael Thomas either. High dot quarterback with low dot receivers, not really a good mesh, but in DFS, obviously. And I do think the, that, Sean, uh, the answer is we're going to see more Taysom Hill than we want to see. That's that's how much Taysom yeah. Hill we're going to see. Uh, ESPN, folks, tight end, Taysom Hill. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Uh, I have Lamar uh, Jackson on on my list. And if, if he didn't put up at least two touchdowns against the Patriots, he wasn't going to put up two touchdowns at any point this season. And, of course, just as we drew it up, it was to Willie Sneed on both touchdowns. Thanks, Lamar. Uh, but, you know, this I, – I just feel like every week people look at him with that massive ceiling and, and they think, all right, well, this is going to be the week. This is going to be the week. This is going to be the week. In season long, you kind of made your own bed with that and you kind of have to just keep rolling with him. But in DFS, absolute fade for me. I, occasionally I'll be like, no, I'll, I'll build a lineup or two, but I'm, I'm not going to do it this week. Raybon, who are you low on? Aaron Rodgers going against the Indianapolis Colts. You know, we know Aaron Rodgers is going to take advantage of easy matchups. He's been doing that his whole career. And, and as of late, really, the only thing that stopped him has been, you know, tougher matchups, a defense that can get pressure, um, you know, cover well, because Green Bay really, Devontae Adams, and there, there is a big drop off, even though Valdez Scantling uh, has come on some over these past couple of games. So Aaron Rodgers sitting there near the top of pricing going against the Indianapolis Colts. This is a team that's allowed the second fewest uh, 
fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, they held, you know, Ryan Tannehill has had thrown for multiple touchdowns and all but two of his t- starts as a Titan. They held him to just one touchdown and 147 yards. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, as Jeff kind of talked about the week before, just 170 yards, no touchdowns through the air. Uh, really, it's been tough for, for quarterbacks to get going against this team. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, a uh, little too pricey for me this week in, in, in DFS. Sean, who are you fading? Yeah, I'm right there with Raybon on Rodgers. Um, way too expensive on DraftKings. He's 7K, the second highest priced QB. Um, season long, you still have to start him. I consider him a low end RB1, but lower your expectations this week considerably. Um, the other guy I'm fading, uh, it, it's pretty easy to fade him at this price, but Kirk Cousins at 6,200. Yes, the matchup is great against the Cowboys, but I, I mean, the Vikings are going to be perfectly content giving Dalvin Cook 30 plus carries here and maybe Alexander Madison 15 plus. They have no qualms about running the shit out of the ball. So I think, you know, Kirk Cousins floor and ceiling are lowered this week. Uh, he's just way too expensive, even though I do like this matchup. All right. A, uh, a guy I'm fading here is Tom Brady. Uh, the Rams have allowed the second fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. Um, as Jeff mentioned, uh, Darius Williams is playing extraordinarily well uh, opposite Jalen Ramsey, uh, who I think is playing at, you know, an all pro level that we saw in 2017. And then, of course, they have Aaron Donald on that defensive line to wreak havoc. So uh, I, I think the Rams defense will be able to challenge that Buccaneers offense enough to bump Brady down and make him more of a low end QB one, high end QB two, instead of the guy who, you know, was throwing uh, just touchdown upon touchdown last week, Sean, uh, it is time to kick it to you for our quarterback player prop. Uh, by the way, I should tell everyone that you should check out the fantasy labs player prop tool where the props with the bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. And when player props are posted, you can bet them at bet MGM. Sean, give us the player prop. We're going with Jameis Winston. Uh, total passing yards this week uh, against the Falcons. Um, I have the line set at 258 and a half. And but before you guys tell me you're over under, Jeff, I do agree that season long he's a bit risky because he has a lower floor. But my number one rule of Jameis Winston is do not watch the game. Just go do something else. And after the game, check his stats. And it usually turns out fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take you up on that because it drives you nuts. I'd rather <laughs> really watch does. him dodging that giant ball bag drill <laughs> thing that he does than watch him actually play. Sean, what was the line again? 258 and a half. I will take the over because I am a donkey and uh, I'm just imagining one way or another, whether it's through design or whether it's through the team getting down and Winston having to air it out. I'm just imagining that uh, he goes over here. I have this closer to uh, 280. I have him. I have him way under. Uh, I'm going because I'm. I'm looking at the splits of him and Taysom in kind of lining up at quarterback. And Winston was about 75 percent. Hill 25 percent. And there's just so much uncertainty here uh, in New Orleans. In addition to the fact that you know we we kind of blamed it on Drew Brees, but the fact is New Orleans run, runs a whole different kind of scheme than Tampa Bay did, and it's a lot more short passing. You know, I think Breeze's A dot coming into last week was like under six yards. And obviously that's something to, somewhat to do with the arm. But after seeing Winston play, I don't think they're going to want him to necessarily air it out. And then on top of that, you could have Hill mixing in for X percentage of, of the quarterback snaps with Winston going out to wide receiver. So um, I, I have this still in the low 200s. I may I may rise it up, but I, I do have about a 75-25 split right now with Winston and Taysom. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I actually think it's very fair. I, I'll take a slight under, or maybe not uh, as under as Raybon, but I, I think that's really the key here. You, when you look at, at the, the offense, who's the deep ball target? Is it Traquan Smith? Is Traquan Smith going to be okay for this game? I don't know who they, they throw to the ball, the ball to downfield, and Jameis simply just does not have the ability to look in the short and intermediate and I don't know if that changes. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, hey, Teddy was fine. Well, Teddy is a low ADOC quarterback. And yes, he was fine. He was actually a perfect replacement for Drew Brees last year. I don't think Jameis is. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past uh, that, you know, Sean Payton and that, that uh, coaching staff to put uh, Taysom in more than 25%. So, yeah, I, I think I'll take the under as well. Yeah, if uh, if Taysom Hill actually sees significant playing time, then I'm I'm drawing dead on this. I'm sort yeah. of banking on the idea that uh, they actually look and say like, okay, one of these guys is a quarterback, and one of them is more like our rotational gadget player. Uh, when we look at what happened with Teddy Bridgewater last year, he was actually the guy who was back there taking snaps, and we didn't really see Taysom Hill. So I'm yeah. I'm thinking that maybe because this injury happened in the middle of the game, they went with this approach of kind of platooning the guys, whereas if they know going into the game that Winston is the starter, he will actually play something pretty close to a starter number of snaps. But as, as we say, it's just – it's all a projection at this point. We really have no way it's, of knowing. Yeah, it's a wide range of outcomes. But it's funny because anytime I think, oh, they, they should use Taysom Hill more this game, they use him less. So he's an enigma. It's always hard to peg. But, yeah, I, I'm closer to Freeman. I think, you know, Winston should play, you know, 90% of the snaps under center this game. I'm, I'm thinking. All right, let's talk about the running backs at the top of our rankings. We have Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Aaron Jones. And I would say that uh, you could probably make an argument for a few guys who could be in the top three. Jeff, how do you see the top three at the position right now? I think you could also make the argument for Derrick Henry in there. Um, you know, I might slide him in into the top three instead of Jones. And it's not a knock on Jones. It's just that matchup stuff. There's no doubt about it, especially with Darius Leonard on the field. This guy is an absolute difference maker. And we saw that was that really was the difference. When he was out, eh, a good defense, not a great defense. When he's in, he, they're a great defense. Whereas Henry, also facing a great defense, but a defense that has been prone to give up some, some big games in the run game. So I think obviously Cook, you know, no matter what, you know, even even in the, the Week 10 contest, he had 30 carries. I mean, you, you didn't get the fantasy outcome maybe you were hoping for, but he can't post video game numbers every single week. And Kamara, even though Jameis may not look to him as much in the checkdowns, he's still, you know, outrageously good. So I, I think Henry's the guy who maybe slides into that top three. Yeah, as a, as a Cowboys fan, uh, even if I could – go see the Cowboys in Minnesota this, this weekend, I wouldn't do it uh, just because I I'm not going to want to go into like an enemy stadium and then watch their running back run all over the Dallas defense. So uh, I'm just anticipating that that is going to be a bloodbath and something that will be very painful to witness. Jeff outside of the guys that you already mentioned, who are some guys you are relatively high on at the position? Well, I think the first name uh, that we have to talk about is Savan Ahmed, you know, came out of nowhere seemingly. And this is the second time with this coaching staff. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that a running back has come up the depth chart and out of nowhere seemingly, and then became the guy, you know, heading into the season, 
Fantasy football players have this irrational love of Jordan Howard. Maybe that ends now. Maybe that was the last time we'll see Jordan Howard. I don't know what this dude had to do over the last four seasons for us to finally wake up to the fact that he was just a guy. I actually went through my Twitter and, and, and looked at all my Jordan Howard mentions over the last three years. If you ever want something entertaining, do that. But, you know, we saw Miles Gaskin take the ball and run with it. We saw the team willing to give him a three-down workload. And then you had a whole bunch of Jags, Jordan Howard, Patrick Laird. You have uh, uh, a Perry, who's a converted college option quarterback. And then Matt Breda even as well, who could be back this week. But I'm not convinced Matt Breda is anything more than a change of pace guy. The team gave Ahmed 22 touches this past week. I think he gets another full workload in a game where they should absolutely mop the floor with Denver. Denver could have Brett Rippon under center with the way Miami's defense is playing, with the way that Ahmed is playing. He's really interesting. The other name on my list is DeAndre Swift. And really it comes down to not just, okay, hey, it's going to happen next week. It already happened. It, he, t- he took over in that backfield. It happened last week. 43 snaps for him. on Johnson, nine snaps. Adrian Peterson, just seven. You know, so now we we have very we have clarity here. And how about Matt Patricia back up against the wall? They were literally going to fire him if he lost one more game, and he didn't. And now they're they're starting to win. Now they're not a great team, but they're playing better. And Swift is a big part of it. So I think that he obviously is a, a player not just based on last week, but a player that we obviously need to continue to be moving up in our ranks and and targeting in DFS. Yeah, it's. It's really been nice to see Swift come on uh, because entering the league, uh, especially going through the combine process uh, and then going through the draft, you could see how athletic he was. And before he was drafted, he was my number one player uh, in dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, After landing in Detroit, he fell down the board. But uh, man, he's he's really taken advantage of the opportunities that he's gotten. And he looks like he could be a future star, which would be uh, fantastic to see there for the Detroit Lions fans. Sean, who are you high on at the running back position? Well, I, I feel terrible because I, I know for a fact I'm stealing Raybon's guys here, but if anything, that just makes me feel better that I'm high on these guys. But LaMichael P. Ryan, uh, you know, he's priced like they didn't see the news last week where, um, you know, they're, they're anticipating him to be the feature back the rest of the season because they're in um, talent evaluation mode. So I love him at this price. You know, the lead back for the Jets – uh, has a pretty limited ceiling, but I think, you know, he should come close to that. And then Duke Johnson, you know, he Duke was just a chalk bust last week, to say the least. But, you know, he saw every single carry. I, I don't even know who their backup is. We still don't know. Um, and he ran around on 74% of dropbacks, yet didn't uh, haul in a catch. So I think that changes this week. People will probably be off of him. Um, after last week, but he's still too cheap at 5,400. So I'm doubling down on Duke Johnson this week. All right. Well, this is great because Raybon has put three names in the outline. Uh, Sean, you hit two of them uh, and I'm going to hit the third one, Raybon. Sorry. I'm just going to jump ahead of you in line here. Uh, The guy I am pretty high on is Antonio Gibson. Uh, And I'm looking at him as a mid-range RB1 this week, which might really sound aggressive. Uh, And it is. But if you take away the season opener, we're looking at a guy in his past eight games who has seven touchdowns uh, and almost 600 yards. He's getting goal line opportunities. He has three and a half targets per game. And he's going against a Bengals defense 
that is number 25 in PFF run defense grade. So uh, I think a lot of things are lining up for him. And even though uh, J.D. McKissick is a very annoying thorn in the side, uh, getting way more snaps, way more targets than I think he probably should be getting, I still see uh, a pretty high floor and a path to some upside for Antonio Gibson this week, given the matchup and the usage that he has. And then also just his, his all-around natural talent. Rayvon, why don't you tell us the three guys you are high on this week? I mean, you guys uh, just hit on them. Gibson, Duke Johnson, and, and LaMichael P. Ryan. And I think with P. Ryan, the key is what Sean said. It's we got this news that P, they're going to evaluate P. Ryan for better or worse, which means we should see him. We should see them stick with him, even if he doesn't have the quote unquote hot hand in this matchup. Uh, he's their best pass catching back regardless. So, um, you know, even if the game script gets away from the Jets uh, against the Chargers, who are, I think, an eight and a half point favorite. Uh, we should still see decent production out of P. Ryan. Uh, remember, we saw another kind of unheralded guy in Ahmed produce uh, last week against the Chargers. So uh, I like P. Ryan. Duke, agree. I think you just have to kind of throw out last week with the Texans. That was a, a, an odd game. Uh, but you look at that backfield in, in Houston, whether it's been Cornell or Bill O'Brien, uh, it's been one guy really in that backfield. And the number two back, uh, who in this case would be CJ Procise, I guess. Uh, they haven't gotten usage. Uh, Duke Johnson handled every single uh, carry last week. So uh, like Duke and then Gibson, yeah, Freeman, exactly what you said. You know, in this matchup, really the only thing that's been slowing down Gibson is the fact that when Washington gets behind, which happens quite often, they go to J.D. McKissick. I think J.D. McKissick, I want to say he had 11 targets by halftime. Like he, <laughs> the team had 21 targets at halftime last week against the Lions of all people, and McKissick had 11 of them. So if you just have a situation where you have a relatively normal game script, which could happen this week uh, in what's projected to be a tight game, uh, then you have Gibson running a few more routes because that's really been the struggle. He hasn't gotten over 30% of the routes per drop back, um, you know, that can, or that far over it very consistently. Um, but he does look like that number one back, you know, when they're in close to the goal line. Um, so the less passing situations they could be in, uh, the better it is going to be for Gibson. All right, Jeff, uh, we have had Sean and Chris here talk about how they like Duke Johnson. I believe that you are relatively down on Duke Johnson this week. The drama on the show. Talk to us about why you are down on him. Yeah, I guess we're, we're watching different things. By the way, J.D. McKissick, 29 targets over the last two weeks. He now has 61 on the season. Only Kamara has more. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. Last week, I was like, oh, he couldn't see. There's no way he sees 15 again. Well, I was right. He saw 14. So there you go. But yeah, Duke Johnson, man, I called him a poor man's Giovanni Bernard. Gio, if you're watching or listening, I'm sorry, bro. That Maybe I offended you. I, I don't see what everybody else is seeing. In fact, I think I'm seeing what all the coaching staffs have seen with Duke Johnson over the course of his career since the U. Nobody has believed in him as, a, as an early down runner. And, I mean, last week was why. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't generate anything after contact. He seemingly couldn't find the hole. I don't know if I buy into it. You know, you can, you can have volume. Yeah, sure. He can give you an Adrian Peterson line. He can have 20 carries for 40 yards. The volume's not worth it. Even in this matchup with the Patriots, the Patriots running back or the linebackers are so slow. Uh, he should, in theory, be a good play. I'm just not willing to go that far with him. So uh, I put him on my list. I, I also have Ronald Jones because we've been there before. We follow up the big Ronald Jones game with a Leonard Fournette, or as I'm calling him, Leonard Forget game. Uh, either way, 
I, I just I don't know if we're going to see it against the Rams. That's really what it comes down to. The Rams are uh, earlier in the season they gave up that decent game to Zeke, the bigger game to Miles Sanders, but since then they've held pretty much most of the backfields, with the exception of maybe San Francisco in check. So I just don't know if we're going to see uh, a repeat performance. And sometimes people will overlook matchups and try to chase last week's results. So I wouldn't recommend doing that with Ron Jones. Sean, who are you low on? Uh, I am low on Derrick Henry this week. He's my RB5. Obviously, you're playing him season long. But DFS, he's 8K. Uh, And, you know, the O-line has been struggling uh, ever since the Taylor Lewan injury. Um, You know, Henry has a brutal two-game stretch coming up where he's at Baltimore – who are first in DVOA versus the run, and then at Indy, who are second in run uh, in DVOA. So, you know, the Titans are seven-point dogs here. This isn't an ideal game script for Henry. Plus, Jeremy McNichols and Deontay Foreman have been eating into his workload, which has been frustrating, to say the least. So I think, you know, just lower expectations the next two games, and then after that, the schedule opens up, and we can expect another monster December from Henry. So, you know, it's kind of have to weather the storm right now. Um, and the other guy is Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, I sounded the alarm on a couple weeks ago, but this makes three straight games now where Jordan Wilkins has outcarried Taylor and Naheem Hines outcarried them both this week. Um, his passing usage hit rock bottom at 20%. So, you know, there, there just isn't any encouraging signs. Um, he's a must sit right now. I have him as RB31. Um, until we see any sort of signs of life, we, we have to keep it on our bench in season long. Yeah, each week, uh, Jonathan Taylor presents new buy-low opportunities. Uh, eventually, this guy's going to be dead, and we're still going to be talking about, this is the week to buy-low on, on Jonathan Taylor. So it's, it's painful for everyone who is invested in him, to say the least. Raybon, who are you low on? So uh, it was going to be between Derrick Henry, James Robinson, and Aaron Jones for me. Um, you know, all three going against uh, pretty tough matchups on paper. Um, but I'm going to go Aaron Jones here. The reason is uh, waiting or in that Baltimore uh, New England game uh, the other night, we saw Brandon Williams go down for Baltimore. He's a key run defender for them. So uh, it could be a little bit easier, I think, for Henry. And then uh, with Robinson, I mean, Chris Thompson has gone down and Robinson's literally gotten every backfield carry um, and, and run almost every route when Thompson's not around. So um, those those two guys may still get there based on volume. Um, but Aaron Jones, we still have been seeing, you know, even with Tyler Irvin going out of the game last week, Jamal Williams still kind of being that that one B. And you're in a tough matchup uh, against the Indianapolis Colts here, who you know have played just very good defense all year. Because I don't I don't think their offense is actually that great. They may be better with Pittman. Um, you know, being healthy, but, you know, Derek Henry kind of an empty 19 for 103 last week. Uh, and uh, that was the first guy that even surpassed 63, uh, sorry, 72 yards uh, against Indianapolis. So uh, if Jones, you know, isn't in on the right snaps and maybe Williams in, or, you know, it, it, it could be, it could be a situation where he doesn't get the touchdown or he doesn't get, you know, enough catches. So um, I just think he's a little too expensive up at 72 in this matchup. I would like to see him in the 60s. So he's my RB6 this week. Rayvon, uh, I was a gentleman this time. I let you go first because I was also going to take Aaron Jones. Uh, and everything you said uh, I think is exactly right. Road underdog. He shares the workload with Jamal Williams and the Colts. 
have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to running backs. I think all the way around a, a suboptimal situation. I mean, obviously, if you have him in season long, you're starting him. He's he's still an RB1, but uh, I think he's on the lower end of the RB1 scale this week relative to where we normally see him. Sean, give us the running back prop. Well, I was going to uh, force us to talk about J.D. McKissick, but it sounds like we already have some passionate McKissick takes out there. So we're going to go with J.D. McKissick total receptions this week. Uh, you know, Jeff mentioned his insane, I think it's 29 targets past two games. And it's actually pretty crazy to think how many points he actually left on the field. He had Alex Smith overthrow him on one that would have been a touchdown. He dropped another near the end zone. So just crazy potential. And also it makes you wonder if he were to miss time, I'm Antonio Gibson would be a, just a smash RB one, just any kind of passing usage in this offense with Alex Smith is just fancy gold. So, I mean, it's almost impossible to cap this right now, but I have his projected receptions at five and a half. Under. Oh, four. okay. I have it at four. Um, and then, so this is the way I um, project these is I, you know, I start with the quarterback's completions and then I, I have the routes projected. And McKissick for the year has run about 58% of their routes to Gibson's 34 and Barber's 6% per dropback. Um, last two games, uh, McKissick's been 76% and 69%. But remember, Washington got behind by, what was it, three scores to the Giants. And then Washington got behind by three scores to the Lions. In a normal game script, which again, where we have to kind of project um, you expect it to be more in line with his season number, which is about um, just under 60%. So I have him projected to run 60% of the routes, uh, which is double that of Gibson. Um, and he's projecting out to about four catches for me. I will take, uh, I mean, I have a strong under here. Sean, you have it at 5.5. I have it literally projected at 5.4. So uh, clearly I have to go under here. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same thing. I don't know if they get, behind the Cincinnati I mean of course you say that and then it happens so I I just don't necessarily see it happening here I I still buy into Washington's defense I mean Chase Young has kind of come back to the pack a little bit after a really good start to the season but the secondary is a little bit better than advertised so I, I think that you know we do see a game where they're at least close you know sort of neutral setup early or if they get out to a lead that's going to take that out of, out of the mix here for Alex Smith. And that's a, that's a big line. Anytime you see a running back at five and a half receptions, usually for me, it's an easy under. I'll make the play under no matter what here, though. Yeah, to be fair, my, my projection is 5.2, but I can't offer 5.2 as an over-under. That's why I moved it up to five and a half. But even if, even if you look at, to week, look at week five when Alex Smith came in relief, I think half of his targets were to J.D. McKissick. I think it's really an Alex Smith thing. So I, I'm probably overweighting that a bit. But, yeah, I would say five and a half is uh, – I, I would take I would take your guys' action on the under here. I think he, he will uh, go over. That's what scares me. Like, this feels like an Alvin Kamara line where you look at five and a <laughs> half and you're like, oh, that's a really high number. But there's no way you feel you can safely bet the under because he's Alvin Kamara. And at this point, McKissick, like he's getting Alvin Kamara pass game treatment, which just seems so unreal to say. But it, it feels like that's where we are. Sean, I was going to ask you, do you think the books will also open this line at, at five and a half? I would say five and a half with the under being like minus 150. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Or, or four and a half with the over being minus 150. Uh, but yeah. I, I think five receptions would be, you know, the projection here. And I mean, just look at how many he's hauled in. I mean, 28 targets, but he's only caught half of them, which is really low for running back. So 
this is just a tricky projection. That's why I wanted to float this out there. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers, the three guys at the top of our rankings right now, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyreek Hill. Jeff, who do you think uh, should be in the top three for this week? I think it's perfect as is. Uh, The way that Adams has been playing just out of his mind, should have had a second touchdown last week with that offensive holding called unnecessary offensive holding. He's been phenomenal. And, and while, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a career renaissance in Xavier Rhodes, I don't, it doesn't matter. It's Devontae Adams. He's just completely on another level from, you know, basically every other receiver. Now, that being said, DeAndre Hopkins makes a play that I don't know how many receivers could make that play. Triple covered. I mean, if the ball wasn't perfectly placed as well. So, you know, obviously, you got to give credit where credit's due on the Hale Murray. But uh, Tyreek as well against that that Vegas secondary, it's – I mean, you're talking they're, – they're allowing a combined 70% catch rate. So it's basically throw it and it's going to be caught. So I think that's all fair. I wouldn't move Julio up. Uh, DK is going to be interesting because we got to keep an eye on Tyler Lockett, whether or not he's um, – you know, he's going to miss any time uh, with that injury. But DK against Arizona, the way they defended him last time was they had Peterson on him, but cloud coverage as well. So it wasn't just like, oh, Pat- Patrick Peterson's a lockdown. No, they basically were, were defending him tough, which obviously opened things up for Lockett in that game. But, you know, I'm not going to move him up. I think it is perfect as it is. All right. So after those top three, uh, who are some guys that you are high on for this week? It's an interesting week, uh, relatively chalky in, in a lot of areas, but I think Chase Claypool, you know, going off of what I said about Ben Roethlisberger earlier, I'm looking at the Steelers receiver who is going, is most likely to be targeted downfield. And when you look at the A dot for uh, both Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith Schuster, they're both under 10 yards. Uh, Claypool is closer to 13 yards. It's not like he's being targeted like Mike Williams numbers. But still, more likely receiver to be targeted downfield, the more likely receiver for big play upside. So I do like him. And I think that a lot of people are going to be down on uh, Robbie Anderson after last week. But I I don't know if I would go that far with uh, my fellow Temple University uh, grad. Well, I don't know if he actually graduated if he left early. I'd have to research that one. But regardless... It's all about Desmond Trufant. This dude is toast. He is absolutely getting destroyed on the field. Uh, And, you know, he's given up like a 75% catch rate this season. I don't care if he shadows him or not. They have been using Trufant to shadow a little bit since he came back. If he shadows, cool. If he doesn't shadow, cool. I think Ando bounces back here uh, in this matchup against Detroit. Yeah, if you look at the uh, the PFF grades for Desmond Trufant, it's just all red all, all across his page. It's I mean, it, it looks like a crime scene. The the one thing, Jeff, I, and I, not that I want to push back on this a little bit, but uh, I kind of want to question it. I have Anderson as someone I'm a little bit hesitant about, and it. I'm so I'm looking at Trufant, who has been bad, but I don't know if Trufant is actually much worse 
than the other cornerbacks out there for the Lions. And then the big thing is that uh, with Teddy Bridgewater injured, we kind of have to see what happens with that injury. But I'm a little bit concerned that the drop-off from Teddy Bridgewater to P.J. Walker might be more than we would expect. Now, on the one hand, P.J. Walker was great in five games of XFL action. Uh, and he does have the hashtag shower narrative going with him in that uh, he was the Temple quarterback throwing to Robbie Anderson when Anderson broke out. Uh, so they do have this longstanding connection. And maybe that is something that uh, Anderson can leverage to his benefit. But I'm just a little bit worried that the drop from Bridgewater to PJ Walker is something that will impact Anderson and make him more of a high end wide receiver two instead of a low end wide receiver one. Yeah, I feel you there. You know, we did see uh, PJ Walker, Philip Walker, whatever you want to call him earlier in the season. And the first play he was in, boom, end zone shot to Robbie Anderson. So there is something to that. I, I, I'm intrigued here, and I'm glad you brought up XFL. Shout out to everybody who played DFS XFL, and even the five of you who played season-long XFL. But he was so good, so mobile, and I think a little bit of a better passer than people realize. You know, he didn't, really didn't have much time with the Colts uh, on the field, so we didn't get to see much of him. I don't know if it's that big of a drop. It's a drop-off. Teddy's doing a very efficient job in that offense, but maybe PJ gives him a little bit more upside as well. So I agree with your take. Season-long, still front-end wide receiver too, but I think that in season-long especially, people look back to last week. They say, oh, DJ Moore's back. Uh, see, we're right all along. Robbie Anderson's going to fade, and I don't think that's the case. Anderson is almost consistently, with the exception of last week, against a very good Bucks defense, been the top target week in and week out, and I don't see that changing. All right, Rayvon, who are you relatively high on this week? So uh, I actually do like DJ Moore uh, in this matchup. I think that, you know, both of what you guys said about Robbie uh, is valid, uh, but DJ Moore either way is the uh, cheaper option here. And, you know, Detroit, like Friedman, you said, their cornerbacks are, are bad across the board. And the thing about Carolina is we've seen they're going to get yards. I mean, they, they have a, they have a pretty bad defense or a defense that's going to give up, you know, points at least on the, going down the other way. So somebody has got to get yards. Uh, we'll see about Christian McCaffrey, but if he's out, I think that's even more exacerbated. The tight end Ian Thomas hasn't really done anything this year. So you're really, you really have a concentrated kind of passing game here. So if it's not Robbie, it's DJ and it's probably going to be both to be honest. Um, but another duo, you know, speaking of duos who I, I really like is, uh, these Minnesota receivers going against Dallas. Uh, this is another situation where, you know, the Minnesota passing game doesn't really, you know, light us up, you know, light your eyes up. You're like, oh, I got to play these guys. But uh, you look at Thielen and he's actually his cheapest. He's been on a main slate uh, all season at 6,300 with the price coming out before the Monday night game. Uh, and then Justin Jefferson is at 6K. And both of these guys uh, are in a matchup where Dallas has been, uh, you know, just getting toasted by wide receivers. They're giving up the third most schedule adjusted yards to number one receivers, uh, 87.3. And then uh, they're number 32 in DVOA against number two receivers. So with, you know, Irv Smith's kind of banged up, you know, Cousins is looking, uh, coming into that game, over 50% of the targets to Thielen and Jefferson. Uh, and I think that'll uh, continue here. Uh, in this in this matchup, even if, you know, it's not like a, a high volume passing game. And then one more is Jacoby Myers going against Houston. If last week didn't kind of convince us that Jacoby Myers is going to be the guy uh, for New England catching the football. Uh, I mean, you, you're against going against a tough Baltimore cornerback group. Uh, you know, you just traded for a guy in Isaiah Ford. He, he doesn't really play. 
Bird and, and Harry play and they don't get targeted. Myers not only gets, you know, another five catches for, for 59, 60 yards, uh, but he also throws a touchdown. He's going to kind of be, I think, a centerpiece or, or the centerpiece of this pass passing offense. You have uh, the tight ends really not doing anything as far as, as catching the ball or even running many routes. And you're also playing James White a little bit less, which helps the receivers because White is such a high target per route run guy that the less he plays, the better it is for a guy like Myers, uh, you know, and for Cam to look downfield. And there's clearly, clearly a rapport there. So uh, like Myers to keep it going this week uh, against Houston. Yeah, Myers might have a matchup uh, in shadow coverage with Bradley Roby. Maybe not, just kind of depending on how the Texans want to use him. But I, even if he does go against him, I really don't know how much that matters. So, uh, I mean, volume uh, kind of dictates everything. And uh, even, you know, if he's going against Roby, he should still be getting his target. So, yeah, Myers is very interesting this week. Sean, who are you high on? So I'm sticking with KJ Hamler as a sneaky GP play again this week at 3,600. Now last year, I, like I'd flag a guy as, you know, potential breakout and it would be the next game where he would go off. So that's why I'm doubling down on Hamler this week. You know, he saw 10 plus targets again last week. Didn't have a great line, but the, the potential's there. He's running over 90% of routes run per drop back now. Actually, 90% out of the slot, which is good going into this matchup against Miami. He should be able to avoid Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I think it sets up well for him. We'll, we'll have to see Drew Locke's health uh, later in the week. I, I could you know, be a little bit more down on Hamler going to this. But I think he's, he's one of the most talented rookies and you know, due for a breakout at this price anyway at 3600 on DK. And the other guy is Josh Reynolds. He plays Monday night, so this is season long. But, you know, he's – legit the number three receiver in this offense I would say ever since week three he's been you know averaging over 80 to 90 percent of routes run per drop back um, and now that Cooper Cup's a little bit banged up they've been leaning on him a little bit more so this is three straight games now of eight plus targets he's just a little bit under the radar but you know in season-long leagues I think he's a low-end wide receiver three potential flex play this matchup at Tampa Bay isn't ideal but he's just the guy to keep on your radar and make sure that he's not available in any of your leagues I mean, Reynolds at this point is almost something of like a, a co-number two wide receiver yeah. with Robert Woods, as weird as that sounds to say, but just in terms of the way that they're being targeted, uh, it's pretty similar at this point. A guy I'm relatively high on, and this, Rayvon, it, it kind of dovetails with uh, you talking about Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. If we are assuming that those guys go off and uh, you could easily see how that happens, uh, I could see the Cowboys needing to pass the ball, and that makes me think that Amari Cooper – could be someone I am interested in. And I understand the wave of warranted pessimism uh, regarding the Cowboys offense, but Andy Dalton is slated to return. The Cowboys are coming off of the bye. They should be healthier. And the Vikings, they're on short rest because they played on Monday Night Football and they are still starting three backups at cornerback. Uh, and they've allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So, I mean, I don't want to be like super invested in Amari Cooper, but uh, if you have him, I still think that you start him in this spot. Jeff, who are you relatively low on? I'm trying to figure out how one throws a bike at somebody. Uh, I don't know how Antonio <laughs> Brown managed to do that. It doesn't really compute in my head. I don't know if it's like, if it's like a kid's bike, then it makes sense. But like a full 10 speed or whatever, that's, that's quite an effort. Uh, but He's an I elite athlete, on, Jeff. He is an he, athlete. He trains for stuff like this. That, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess I, I didn't factor that into my model. But um, I, I think that he's just 
he's a downgrade this week across the board. It's a downgrade. Uh, we saw two weeks ago that if a team has the Bucks number, that they're going to struggle, right? And, and you know, the, the Saints certainly had their number. Uh, do the Rams? The Rams seemingly have everybody's number right now. Uh, the one thing that is working in their favor is that game was after Tom Brady's bedtime at 830. So maybe that changes things a little bit here. But I, I just I look at those guys. Not only are they sort of cannibalizing off of each other, uh, but the matchup is really tough. I don't and and the Rams are in a great position where you know historically last year it's like oh well we need Ramsey to shadow. No, they don't. They don't need him to shadow. They they're good all across the board. So it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, so I'm downgrading all three of them. In season long, you're probably in a position where you have to use them, but uh, not looking at any builds with those guys in DFS. All right, Raybon, who are you relatively low on? AJ Brown. AJ Brown, you know, has been for much of the year just phenomenal. Uh, but you know, going against this Ravens defense, I think this will be uh, a little bit of a tougher matchup for him. They they do have those top those three corners, and uh, they did get a little weakened, I think, in their run defense with with Williams. So I could see a kind of weaning on the run, and we kind of saw what a, a down game for Tannehill really looks like last week and you know i think we could see this uh, uh somewhat of a similar version uh, again so i have brown down to uh, wide receiver 18 this week and uh also the last two weeks for whatever reason he hasn't been in on quite as many uh dropbacks as you'd expect for a number one receiver now part part of that is due to tennessee runs a lot of one wide sets where they'll play you know three tight ends and 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 Corey davis sometimes will be on the field instead of brown or or one of the other guys and so it's been 80 percent and 87 87 percent excuse me of routes run per drop back the last two weeks Uh, and for the season it's also 87 percent um so most number one wide receivers are getting you know 95 percent plus um they'll maybe miss a play or two if they hit a a deep ball or whatever they might come out but um brown's been a little lower so um i'm down on him this week and i think he's a little overpriced there at uh at 7200 sean i believe that you are also low on aj brown this week yeah, I'm low on AJ Brown as well, and he's—I would say—he's way overpriced at 7,200 on DK. Um, I have him all the way down to wide receiver 24. Um, you know, I think he's just touchdown dependent this week, and you know, the Titans have the fifth lowest team total. So, what does that tell you? Uh, just you know, it, play him in season long, but just lower your expectations considerably. And then I'm also low on Michael Thomas. Um, you know, he's 7,300 on DK. Um, I, I think. Jeff mentioned this earlier when it comes to Lamar Jackson, you know, people keep waiting for him to bounce back to his 2019 version. I think we just have to accept his 2020 version as is. I think people are going to have to come to grips with Michael Thomas as well. He's, he's an elite wide receiver too. That's the way I would describe him, but you know, they're, they're spreading it a lot around a lot more. It looked like he and Jameis weren't on the same page. And a guy like Michael Thomas does depend on high volume. He's not a huge yards per catch guy, not a huge touchdown guy. So all these elements, you know, I just see him as just a solid wide receiver too. So going forward, I think, especially in DFS at 7,300, he just doesn't warrant that price. It's going to take him to drop in the, the low 6K range before I'm, I'm on him in DFS. 
Right. Uh, looking at AJ Brown, uh, and I mentioned Robbie Anderson earlier, uh, AJ Brown, uh, I'm with you guys relatively low on him and it will be intriguing to see exactly how the Ravens, uh, match up with him. Uh, Jimmy Smith, who, uh, normally plays on the perimeter was out last week. And so they moved Marlon Humphrey, who normally plays corner in the slot. They moved him to the perimeter. Uh, and so if Smith is out once again this week, I think we will have Humphrey going against AJ Brown and Humphrey, I think is, I mean, he was an all pro defense last year. I think he's one of the, the best corners in the league. That will be a fantastic matchup to uh, to watch to see those two guys going against each other. But uh, I think it will be tough on A.J. Brown going against a defender of that caliber. Sean, give us the wide receiver prop. So this is a bit of a unique one this week, but out of Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, which one scores the least amount of DK points this week? All three have hit two weeks in a row now, but I'm thinking at Jacksonville is, you know, 11-point favorites. I think one of these guys bust this week, and I, I can't say which one, so I need your guys' help, uh, which guy you think will be the bust this week. I mean, I'm going to go with Juju, uh, really just because of the dot argument that I had earlier. Uh, he's the lowest dot of the three. The slot is, is not a bad matchup. But I just don't see him burning him downfield. Uh, I think the, the more likely, you know, if you get that early in the game would be Deontay or Chase Claypool. So I'll, I'll go with, with Juju. It's a, it's a great one, though, especially after last week. Yeah, I'm going Juju as well. Um, I have him really close. I have him 14, 16, 18. So, <laughs> you know, it's not it's, – it, this could probably change if I tweak any little thing. But, um, yeah, I, I agree, Jeff. I think the dot is the lowest. He does run the most routes. But uh, it, it really hasn't necessarily been translating into a huge yardage because of that ADOT. Claypool seems like, you know, he can run 60% of the routes or 90% of the routes. Um, he's kind of, when he's in the game, he's a target. And then Deontay, as long as he doesn't have one of those games where he like, gets banged up in the first quarter and gets like zero yards on three targets. Like if he's a factor, if Deontay is a factor, I, I think it, it just kind of negatively impacts Juju and Claypool is kind of the constant. So uh, assuming Johnson's going to be in there, which it looks like he is, then uh, yeah, going with Juju. This, uh, this is a great prop, Sean. Uh, kudos there. I, I'm going with Chase Claypool, but it is really close with uh, Deontay Johnson. I, I have Juju as the guy I like the most in part because of the usage he's gotten uh, in the past month. And with that usage, I think he has a pretty decent chance of getting a high number of receptions, which I think will will give him a higher floor. And then I think one of these other guys might have a little more variance. And uh, Claypool, I think, will be the the receiver who is just a little more high variance in this situation. So I will say that uh, Claypool is the guy, uh, not necessarily that he busts, but that he's the uh, right. the lagger of the three. Great prop. Good, good imaginative Plus, outside of the box I mean, thinking there. How tilting is it going to be when James Washington scores the first touchdown? I mean, <laughs> Ray, yes. Ray McLeod. Yeah. Yes. Ray, Ray McLeod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when James Washington throws to Ray, Ray McLeod. <laughs> the NFL season is upon us and our friends at bet MGM sports are offering action network podcast listeners, a great signup offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ActionPod and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ActionPod to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. 
As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the tight ends. The three guys at the top of our rankings, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, we have Waller, we have Andrews. I don't think there's a big surprise there, but you could probably make an argument for whoever slots in at the number three spot, uh, given that there's a, a power vacuum there. Uh, Jeff, who do you think should be in the top three? I think it's right. I mean, there's obviously no argument with Kelsey. Waller should have had a much bigger day last week, so really no argument with him. It really comes down to, do you buy into Hawkinson being really banged up? You know, is the, is the toe injury serious enough here to move him down? Because he's been very good this season. It was really kind of, for fantasy purposes, his first down week of the year. Uh, but um, I, I think it's right. I, I think Andrews, especially with no Nick Boyle, will benefit there, and he'll continue to see heavy volume. That's really what we're looking for uh, is volume. All right, who else are you high on this week? Well, actually, uh, I threw out this name, and and it's part of my personal crusade to change fantasy tight end, uh, because in week nine on my Sirius XM show, I had somebody call in and say, Hunter Henry, he just isn't getting it done, man. I don't know. What should I do about this guy? Should I cut him? And so Hunter Henry in that game had seven targets, four catches for 33 yards. Hunter Henry this past week had six ca- uh, six targets, four catches, so one fewer target, four catches for 30 yards, three fewer yards, and he scored a touchdown. He went from the number 20 tight end the week before to the number three because of a stupid stinking touchdown. Tight end scoring is broken. It is antiquated. It does not work in modern football at all. We have to do something about it. And the answer, I'm sorry, is not tight end premium because that only further exacerbates the problem. We shouldn't have a uh, you know 100% jump if you go three for 32 and no touchdown to three for 32 and a touchdown. You double up your fantasy points. I mean, that's crazy to me. I think we should reduce the value of touchdowns for tight ends. That would eliminate the problem. Maybe go to tight end premium to bump that up, the scoring up a little bit. But it just, it's silly to me. It's absolutely silly. So it drives me nuts. And I'll tell you guys, the reason why I'm on this crusade is because I got into this because I love football, not because I love betting, not because I love DFS. Uh, Heck, I didn't even know about DFS when I started doing this in the industry. Not because I love fantasy. I want to share my love of football with people. And this is one way to do so. And when people say that a player sucks because he didn't score a touchdown, Hunter Henry doesn't suck. Hunter Henry is a darn good tight end, and he's been playing good football even when he doesn't score touchdowns. But that being said, I'll get off the soapbox, and I actually do like him against the the Jets this week. You know, we heard – I was Raybon earlier saying uh, Justin Herbert. I agree with that call out. And we've seen the Jets be relatively friendly to opposing tight ends this season – uh, they did give up that game to Jordan Reed earlier in the year. They gave up, obviously, a huge game to Travis Gelsky. Okay, whatever. But then the Gesicki game, and by the way, when uh, you're, you have a tight end in a game and you see a tight end score and it's not your tight end, that is called a Gesicki uh, for that game where both uh, Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe scored and Gesicki didn't. Uh, but still, I like the matchup here for Hunter Henry. I think he's going to be just fine. 
Jeff, uh, I'm definitely with you there on Hunter Henry. I actually have him at number three on the board. Uh, I have him ahead of, of Mark Andrews. Uh, he's getting the usage. Uh, he's in a good offense, and he does have a, a nice matchup this week. So uh, totally with you there. Sean, who are you high on? So let me just first say that in season-long leagues where Taysom Hill is eligible at tight end, he's actually yeah. my tight end four. So get him in your lineups. You're lucky if you're in a format like that and have him. Um, but for, for DFS, I'm high on Dallas Goddard this week. He's 3,800, which is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, he ran around on 80% of dropbacks last week. So he's he's back to the usage we're expecting from him. Um, now, he was underwhelming with his four-catch, 33-yard game with no touchdowns. And sort of to Jeff's point, that was good enough for, you know, low-end tight end one production last week. It was such a dumpster fire. Um, and Richard Rodgers actually, you know, outproduced him with four catches for six yards, I believe. But he only ran around on 20% of the, the routes per dropback. So, you know, I, I think that was a bit fluky. I think we should see Dallas Goddard break out here. You know, as long as Zach Ertz is out, I still consider Goddard, you know, potential top five tight end. So I'm back on him this week at a super cheap price of 3800 Raybon, who do you like? Uh, Mark Andrews this week for me. I mean, you know, we knew Mark Andrews is going to be a little bit volatile this year just because Baltimore does not throw the ball very often. But now you have Andrews. Uh, he's the number one uh, highest priced tight end on the slate, but he's still below 5K at 4,900. Uh, you're, you're going against a Titans defense that ranks 29th in DVOA to uh, on targets to opposing tight ends. And uh, as you know, Jeff mentioned, you have Nick Boyle lost you know go, going down in that uh, New England game so he's going to be out uh, and we saw Andrew spike to 83 percent routes run per drop back um, two weeks ago he was at 78 percent so uh, those are two of uh, his higher marks for the season and uh, I think you know with Boyle out you're probably going to have uh, Ricard the, the fullback play some more tight end um, but it's just going to cause Andrews I think to be a little bit more of that pass catching specialist because Boyle still was um, you know, catching, you know, a couple balls per game. So uh, I like Andrews. I think he, he could continue to see uh, a few more routes uh, with this injury. And there's just, it's a wasteland every week. So I'm just kind of betting on talent here and we have talent and matchup uh, and price. So like Andrews. Jeff, who are you low on? I mean, it, the position's so flat after you get beyond the first two that you could almost say anybody here, you're just praying for touchdowns. I mean, because you know you're going to get two or three catches for 30 or 40 yards for most of these guys. But when I look at, at, at some of the, the, you know, the shift in the landscape here, we keep going back to Jameis Winston. I, I think we do have to point out Jared Cook. Uh, ask anybody about O.J. Howard last year, and you know, I, I, Jameis just is not going to look the tight end's way very often because he doesn't look in the short and intermediate Plus the fact that my guy Adam Troutman's playing some good football as well and sort of eating into that target share there for Jared Cook. So I know a lot of people in season long are looking at that like fringe tight end one range. Is Cook viable? No. And then just not enough juice there for DFS purposes. Yeah, Jeff, you don't need to make too strong of an argument uh, to me not to be interested in Jared Cook. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. The volume is not there. And especially now that he doesn't have that alchemy with Drew Brees, there are many reasons to be off of him. Sean, who are you low on? Uh, Mike Gesicki. Uh, I'm done coming up with reasons why he's going to break out of his slump here. Last week, I thought, you know, Press Williams and Isaiah Ford are out. You know, maybe he'll line up in the slot more. Nope. Uh, his rights, routes run per dropback dipped to 62%. Durham, Smythe, and Adam Shaheen were uh, pretty heavily involved, more than I would like. So uh, I, I'm down on Gesicki. 
this week and going forward. I, I just don't think it's going to happen from this year. Raybon, who are you low on? Uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, you know, like yeah. literally, like I'm looking up and down this list, and there's no one that stands out as like, okay, I should be more low on him than any, everybody else. But uh, I do agree with with Gasicki and Cook because those guys are both over 4K. Um, in terms of pricing, and, and I don't really think they belong in that range. And but I, I think you could make a case for almost all of these tight ends. I mean, you know, even Goddard. We don't know if Ertz is coming back. He just got activated. You know, Tanyan's been a little banged up going into tough matchups. So uh, there's really nobody that I feel confident about outside of that. Outside of really Kelsey and Waller, and then on this main slate, that's why. I, I like Andrew so much because, you know, even a, a guy like Johnny Smith, it's like he, he's kind of the same tease. It's like he runs a lot of routes one week and then the next week he's right back to like, you know, part of that three headed tight end monster, regardless of who's hurt. So um, I, I think uh, you could even I'll say Johnny as well, because he's up at forty seven hundred two behind Andrews. And, and I think that uh, Andrew's just a better matchup this week. Uh, Rayvon, I, I hear you there. A guy I'm relatively low on is Hawkinson, and it's more of just a, a defensive gesture uh, in that uh, he obviously has a lot of potential, and you can make an argument for him in the, the top three if he's fully healthy, especially with Kenny Galladay out. But uh, I am worried about uh, the the toe injury. Uh, and so, you know, we saw him with reduced target shares uh, last week, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking if he's just getting fewer targets, he's injured, not going to be as efficient. A guy I would rather just uh, not have any part of, especially for DFS. I, I think in season long, if you have him, you you probably have to play him. Uh, you, you might not have another good option at tight end to go with, but in DFS, certainly someone I'd be looking to stay away from. Sean, give us the prop. We're going with Mark Andrews receiving yards. Uh, you guys have already touched on it, but you know every week he has that massive touchdown upside. Uh, really high ceiling guy, but now that he's the only tight end there, uh, you know, his floor is raised and that, that comes from his receiving yard. So curious to hear where you guys have him. Uh, right now I have him at 48 and a half receiving yards. I was really hoping he would be up over 50. Uh, <laughs> 48's a really good number, man. I, I'm going to take the slight under on it just based on the consistency factor with him. Uh, which hasn't really been there. I mean, he's topped this line, what, four times this season, I'm seeing. But last week, of course, was one of those times. But I, I still think it's slightly under. You know, usually with Andrews in my head, I typically have, and I haven't run my projections this week, but typically have about 44 in my head. So I'll take the slight under. Yeah, I'm with Jeff. I'm, I have him at 45 yards. So I'm pretty much right in line, and the median's probably – uh, right around, right around that 44 number either way. But um, I think I'll have a great, I think I'll have a good week relative to other tight ends But that just kind of is illustrative of what the tight end landscape is. I mean, we're here talking about, Hey, uh, you know, like Andrews as a tight end number three, like him as the top play in DFS and yet taking the under on this uh, very reasonable <laughs> prop. So yeah, I got him at 45. I'm going under. Yeah, and it's uh, Rayvon. For me, it's almost an, uh, an opposite dynamic. I don't have him in the top three, but I'll be the fish who who takes the over here. Uh, I, I think it's a good line, and uh, I I would be inclined to take the under here. But I do think that with Nick Boyle being out uh, at this point, it's just Mark Andrews out there a hundred percent of the time, uh, and so that could potentially result in maybe an extra target coming his way, which could bump him to the over. But I, I do think in general, the under here would be the sharper side. All right, Jeff. It was awesome having you on the show. I am curious, what content should people be checking out at Fade the Noise? 
Yeah, absolutely. So FTNFantasy.com for all the season long content. I mean, you know, the, the signature breakdown every game piece that I do, it's called the report, but I don't do 50,000 words. I only do about 3,500 to 4,000 words. So you can knock it out really quickly. All the wide receiver cornerback stuff I do is over at FTNDaily.com. And uh, all the betting content that we have is over at FTNBets.com. Of course, I have my own podcast, The Rant with Jeff Ratcliffe. And I have the very originally named radio show, The Jeff Ratcliffe Show on Sirius XM, Monday to Friday, 10 to noon Eastern, also on CBS Sports Network on uh, Sunday mornings from 8 to noon Eastern on that other pregame show. All right. Be sure to follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe. And you can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. And please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.